Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week on the show, we're bringing you the last in our series of special programmes looking back at the UBS European Conference. We picked out a few of the key panels and themes to explore in greater depth. Previously, we talked about cryptocurrencies and CBDCs, and we took a deeper dive into monetary policy too. Today, though, we're talking about private equity, and to do that, I'm delighted to welcome to the programme Simona Maialara, who runs the Alternative Capital Group globally for UBS. Simona, great to, to chat with you and interesting to catch up after the, the UBS European Conference. Of course, that's something that we're looking at on our programme. But maybe before we talk about some of the specific talking points, give us a bit of an overview of uh, PE activity. If we look at the whole of, of 2022, what's been the big stories this year? Interesting in terms of what the direction of travel is with valuations and so on. But maybe just give us a bit of a recap of, of 2022 in the PE space. Sure. It has been a very interesting year in the PE space. On one side, we started the year with a lot of momentum, a lot of optimism. Uh, most of the PE came with a lot of dry powder. They managed to raise a very large fund over the last few years. They realized a lot of uh, exit to return money to their investors. So came into 2022 with a strong position of strength. And then as the year goes went by, a lot of bad news happened, especially in Europe. We saw the war in Ukraine, we saw high interest rate, inflation, uh, geopolitical crisis, uh, government falling in a lot of countries, and uh, therefore the mood has suddenly shifted. Now, in times like this, on paper, there are great opportunities for investment. But what the industry doesn't like is one, uncertainty, so the inability to price risk and uh, to put in place credible business plan, but more importantly, the inability to raise debt uh, to support these acquisitions. And these two factors uh, put really a stop to the deal environment. So after a decent uh, first half of the year, driven by deals that were cooked in 2021, in the second part of the year, activity has been very slow. You've mentioned some of the challenges. Uh, have we reached the bottom yet? I mean, valuations going down. I know there's maybe a bit of a mismatch between buyers and sellers in terms of what the expectations are in terms of valuations. But where, where do you think we're at? I always compare the cycle of the PE to the real estate market in central London, i.e. in times like this, you don't see prices falling off a cliff, you see volume of transaction uh, reducing just because of the mismatch. Now, have we reached the bottom? Hard to say. I think what we haven't seen yet is distress in the system. I think the companies performed decently until the summer. I think what will be important is to see the budget for next year, but also what the impact of all the energy crisis, the labor inflation and uh, the reduction in consumer spending, what the impact is going to be on year-end number. I think after we see that, we can figure out if we can predict the next 12 months for a lot of these businesses. Once we will be able to do this, I think we will see a better alignment of valuation expectations. I personally don't think that we will see valuation going down dramatically because of the amount of dry powder in the system. Once the deal environment is going to kick start again because of uh, financing, 
I think we will see again competition from assets that will drive price up. Will they go to the level we have seen in uh, 2021? Probably not, but they will not be as depressed as people expect, especially for good quality assets. Hmm. What about interest rates? Obviously, we're, interest rates uh, are significantly higher. What, what's the sort of immediacy of the impact of that on, on deal making, on transactions being done? Because you already mentioned uh, the difficulties potentially in some quarters in terms of supporting debt because cash interest rates costs are so much, much higher. Does it follow that therefore valuations are necessarily lower in that environment? Yes, they would need to be. It's a simple, simple mathematical equation. If your cash interest cost is higher, uh, you won't be able to put so much debt and therefore the valuation will need to be slightly lower. And you have two effects. One is the impact this has on new deals, but there is also the impact you have on existing deals because you had hedges in places when uh, uh, P on the debt, when P bought the businesses, but some of these hedges are rolling off. And therefore, when you go back to a floating base rate, which is much higher than when the deal was done, you will have a cash drain on businesses. Simone, it might be instructive. I guess we we have lots of listeners to this programme who are pretty savvy and have good knowledge of, a deep knowledge of, of finance, but others are, are more lay listeners. And they might be saying, well, OK, just to take a step back, maybe remind me of some of the key differences as we look ahead into 23, maybe, at the dynamics here. What are the key differences between private markets and public markets? And I guess for, for lay listeners to this programme, they may need a bit of a reminder, a primer on what the big key differences are. The main difference between private and public is the fact that the private investments are not very liquid. And this can be a plus or a minus. It's a minus in the sense that if you want to get out of the investment, you can't just sell shares in the market. So you are stuck a bit in this investment for longer than uh, you would like to be. And I will ignore for this the phenomenon of secondary funds. But I think not having the lack of liquidity can also be a plus because you don't have a mark to market. You are not forced to take any decisions because you need to move the share price. So in time like this, you can just sit down on your investment. You don't need to exit. You don't need to price it on a daily basis like you would do with public um, investment. And this allows you more time and more freedom to do what it takes to the businesses to improve them, to help them navigate in a challenging environment without any outside scrutiny. That to me is very helpful in times like this, where I wouldn't like to sit in front of my shareholder every quarter to justify why I'm not performing as well and say it in a world which is moving at a pace that no one predicted. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, that's the nature of the opportunity, I guess, in times of extended and increased volatility and uncertainty. You mentioned these kind of words in your opening remarks, Simona. It is a time to think to think afresh about, about alternatives. Is that a conversation you have, I don't know, with lots of clients, with lots of investors who want to have a fresh conversation about the potential of alternatives to play a really active role in their portfolios? Yes, it, it does. But keep in mind that, that a lot of these investors are already invested in private um, market. And uh, a lot of them are seeing what we call the denominator effect, that because their public listings are worth less, most of them look over-allocated to the private market. And uh, therefore, I don't think they're jumping up and down to invest more in the category because 
as I say, of a relative game effect. Hmm, that's interesting. Let's look a bit at the outlook for 23. I know this is probably something that you guys were discussing in the in the European conference, and you're not in possession of a crystal ball, Simona, I know. But give us a few of the kind of headlines in terms of, of 23, what expectations might be governing uh, PE as we look at the next 12 months. Yes, as you can imagine, the outlook for 2023 was one of the major teams we addressed at the conference, and we had three great panellists with slightly different perspective. And they all agree with the differences of investing mainly in tech or having a global versus pan-European focus that 2023 is going to be a good year of investing because they're going to find good opportunities at good valuation. And it is true that when you buy businesses which are already being stressed by the macroeconomic environment, in the next five years, you can expect, you almost buy them at a trough. And you can expect that even if for the first 12 months, things are not going to go according to plan and there might be softer on performance, then the next three to four years, which is the amount of time it takes for them to exit, they're going to improve. So you're buying them at the right moment of the curve. That's why the moment the financing market will reopen, and it's hard to say when, but we all expect this to happen in the second part of next year, the deal environment will become more positive and we will start to transact. And one of the major drivers of this is that what these uh, investors in private equity, what the limited partners are asking are distribution. They're asking PE to sell assets. And the easiest buyer for assets are other PE. So the secondary buyout, I think, will drive the market in 2023. And the other factor will be public to private. A lot of companies have been hit hard by public market and they're not be valued at full capacity. As I was discussing earlier, taking this company away from public scrutiny, putting them in private hand, will help them to fare through difficult times, to grow and develop, acquire and get stronger, to be able to go through the cycle. So P2P and secondary buyout, I think will be the major driver of activity next year. The only other thing that was mentioned that I thought was very interesting where um, our panelists were um, challenged on uh, returns on uh, in terms of uh, are they seeing because of the environment are they worried that the returns will be lower than in the previous fund the point that was making was this diversification and this is diversification not only by industry by geography but also by vintage. They all have businesses that have bought at different points in the cycle and in any different years as well, and uh, different macro condition and diversification will uh, definitely smooth returns and allow them to, to prove to the market that they can generate sustainable returns even over a cycle in difficult times. Simona Maialara. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club too and subscribe to Monocle magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts. And you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you in the new year at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening and have a great 2023.